Welcome to Custom Chicks, your go-to girls for all things inner and outer beauty. You're joined, as always, by your hosts, Ella James and Caitlin Gregg. Hey. Hi. Welcome back to another week of Cosmetics Fam. Now, I'm very excited to bring this episode to you. We have Dr. Michael Keller of Flawless Aesthetics Clinics in Sydney discussing with us on the show today one of his most well-known treatments, the jawline contour. Now, he talks about his unique process of identifying and personalizing the treatment for all different jawline shapes, which honestly is something we'd never heard of before. So I don't want to give too much away, but if you're interested in reshaping your jawline and looking snatched AF, then this episode is for you. And if you are actually interested in having this treatment, we're very excited to announce that we are looking for a number of models that would be interested in coming in and having the treatment, um, filming a bit of content with us and getting a full 50% off the treatment. I'm going to leave some more details in the show notes if this sounds like something you might be interested in. So we look forward to hearing from you and enjoy the episode. So welcome to the show, Dr. Michael. We're super excited to have you. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here today. And could you start by introducing yourself and how you got into this industry? Yeah, awesome. So my name is Dr. Michael Keller. I'm one of the cosmetic doctors at Flawless Aesthetics Clinic in Chatswood. So I've been doing cosmetics for a large number of years. Uh, I had a background where I was doing a lot of surgery in hospitals and I've always been very interested with uh, cosmetics and I've always been quite artistic. I used to draw a lot when I was younger and I have lots of like portraits and sketches. I do a lot of A3 sketches until now. So to have the opportunity to be able to mix medicine with art, which is what I'm passionate about both of them, it was a great great opportunity for me to enter the cosmetic industry. Yeah, we always hear that when talking to some of the cosmetic doctors that it's really an art form, um, like primarily. Obviously, there's all the science and knowing where the muscles are. <laughs> but the art, like the trick to being a really good injector is being able to look at a face and understand where you need to balance to see beauty. Well, it makes sense, right? Like you are sculpting the face and you're, yeah, so it, they go hand in hand. You are, and, it, and it's actually quite mathematical. So if you actually look at the history of beautification, um, it's actually gone back since the time of Da Vinci and even before that as well. Da Vinci was actually the one that actually, he just utilized, um, he basically just formulated the beautification code. So we've always, well, sort of like naturally and subconsciously being able to look at people and either decide whether the person's attractive or not, or even look at objects and decide whether this attractive, this object is attractive or not. So all Da Vinci was able to do was he basically formulated it and found a way to simplify this for everybody. And this is what the basically the Mona Lisa was based on. So when you look at the cosmetic industry, it's always been a combination of art, mathematics and medicine as well. I think I've heard that. Was it you that was telling me, Caitlin, that Maserati used the measurements to, um, as they build the cars, to the beautification measurements? Yeah, it's it's the FI. Remember the right? FI, yeah, yes. FI ratio. The FI ratio. Yeah. We did an interview with Ray Morris, who's one of Australia's leading makeup artists, and she has a whole book based on how she uses the FI method when doing eye makeup to really... Um, elongate like the third eye I think she was saying yeah. so but then it goes as far as big commercial and corporate brands actually use it in marketing to make it more attractive is what she was explaining on the podcast so right. it's actually very interesting that you mentioned that so 
in the process of describing the jawline and the treatments and the approach to it, we actually do use the fire ratio as well. And we actually incorporate that method towards actually, um, we actually incorporate that method, sorry, in order for us to be able to produce sort of the best possible jawline for the patient. And we use that as part of, that, part of our calculations in order to measure the width of the mid face relative to the width of the jawline for females. And part of that is the fire ratio, which we take into consideration, which is 1.61821. 1. So it's, we'll talk about that a little bit. Yeah, it's <laughs> crazy because well, so. we, we um, use the fire ratio for when we were doing our wing dye liner on a night out. And I must yeah. say, I think I picked up more on those nights. <laughs> <laughs> it works. <laughs> it does, it works. Uh, a very funny story, actually. So um, male cosmetics is something that's growing a lot lately. Absolutely. And yeah, yeah and I've been like, you know, we, we, our clinic personally, um, in our clinic, sorry, we've personally started seeing a large number of male clients coming in. So approximately now almost a third of our clientele has oh. now become men. Uh, previously, back in the days, you would see one male client every two months, whereas <laughs> now we're seeing like a third. Uh, I was doing a jawline treatment for a male the other day, and we've done a full detailed assessment, and we've done his we've done his treatments over two times. He came back to me for his follow up, and he was telling me, "You'll never believe what happened to me the other day." He goes, "I went up to the bar for the first time in my life. A girl bought me a drink." Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> and he was so happy. He was so excited. Yeah, and it was very nice to see. The job paid for itself then. <laughs> <laughs> Just a few more drinks. <laughs> and getting into chatting more about the jaw, what are the different options? So obviously jaw definition is something that's super popular at the moment. Um, what are the actual different options there are to achieve that definition? Yeah, right. So whenever I first come to approach uh, the jawline, I look at a variety of different factors that come into play. So the age of the patient is very important. So we could talk about either the age of the person or we could talk about the skin age. Uh, they are fairly sort of like different. If somebody has been exposed to long periods out in the sun, their skin age is going to be much greater than the chronological age. So these are factors we have to take into consideration as well. I was going to say our followers all wear SPF, so that should okay, be good. good. <laughs> so everyone's fairly young here. All right. So um, basically what we try to look at is when we look at a younger patient, for example, we're trying to always give um, these patients a we're trying to get it closer to the fire ratio so in terms of beautification we're trying to make the jaw we don't want to just give it definition if it's already quite large so in certain cases we have to slim down the jaw before we do anything so the first approach to uh, the jawline is we have to do an assessment first is this jaw is this jaw relatively wide was this jaw relatively small for the person's face? What are the other factors contributing towards this jaw? So the most common features that you tend to see in women is very strong masseter muscles. The masseter muscles is a muscle on the corner of the mouth. It's one of the muscles of mastication, which is one of the main muscles that we use for chewing. Fairly common in our day and age, most people when they get quite stressed, they actually tend to grind the teeth a yeah, lot during their sleep. I get that. Yeah, and they clench their teeth while they're stressed and they chew lots of gum and then nibble on little foods. So this has become a quite a, a common coping strategy for most people in our day and age. And this has quite significant detrimental effects um, for the person. So not only does it cause widening of the jaw, and for a female, it's, a not, it's not a very pleasant appearance. It's okay for a male in terms of appearances, but for a female, cosmetically speaking, it's not ideal. It creates too much width of the jaw which is not very feminizing. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because I had, I was getting really bad migraines and I was teeth grinding a lot. 
And the solution that I was recommended was having um, injectables in my masseter muscle. And so I had it done for the first time maybe a year and a half ago. And it, the result was amazing. But the bonus was my face slimmed down <laughs> so much. I'll show you the before and afters later. It was I was unrecognizable. I just it made my face look completely different. So it was yeah. by to this day I say it's the favorite my favorite treatment I've ever mm. had. Definitely, and I agree with you on that point as well. It's actually one of my favorite treatments to do as well. Mm -hmm. uh, just exactly like what you said, the cosmetic benefits for the patient is one aspect of it, but the improvement in the quality of life for a patient when they have quite strong masseters, they're able to sleep more, to have a better um, quality of sleep. They're also able to, they have less headaches, they're able to concentrate a lot more. Um, it just overall, it improves the quality of life for a patient. So like you said, spot on, it's or actually one of my favorite treatments as well. <laughs> it's got a face slimming treatment as well. Mm, nice. Yeah. And you, so step one is looking at the masseters and then what other areas do you tend to look at? Yeah, so I do an assessment of the lower face. Um, and in taking into consideration the lower face is the main ones that we look at, we could break it up in a few different sections. So we look at the, the mandibular bone itself, which is the jawline bone. Uh, we look, is this quite big? Is this quite small? You know, what is the, the size of it relative to the person's overall face? This is something that's very easy to treat because if they have like say a fairly weak jawline or a short chin or a retracted chin you could add a bit of volume to that to help correct that now this isn't very common with many people uh, what's more common is the masseters like we we're talking about and the other thing that's very very underrated in my opinion is the metallus muscle which is the chin muscle the chin muscle is a muscle uh, where the chin area is at and what it does is it pushes everything it pushes your chin forward and up so it causes a bit of blunting of the inferior tip so ideally for a female when you're aiming for a v-shaped appearance you like that little pointiness towards the bottom this is more popular with the asian population especially the south koreans uh, the other most popular shape for the female face is the oval shape the oval shape and the v-shape the two you know a lot of times they're fairly hand in hand, uh, but generally some populations prefer more of the V-shape. They're both quite nice. Uh, now, when you have a strong chin, this blunts the V, the, the tip of the V. Mm -hmm. And that's not very ideal because when you blunt the tip of the V, it also leads to widening of the chin. Ideally for a female, the width of the chin should be in length, uh, sorry, should be in line with the width of the nose. This gives you a more feminine appearance. For a male, the width of the chin should be the width of the mouth, the corners of the so mouth. Wider, yeah. So much wider, right? So when you have blunting or if you have a strong chin and it creates more width closer to the corners of the mouth, it actually creates more masculine appearance. So ideally, before I put any filler in the area, I prefer to treat the muscle first with toxin and the patient can come back after two weeks and then we could treat that with filler if they need. Another very common factor that contributes towards this is the neck area. So there's lots of factors that could contribute towards having a bit of looseness in the neck. It could be a bit of excessive fat, it could be loose skin, or it could be strength of the platysmal muscle. When you have a strong platysmal muscle, what that does is it pushes the neck area down and it could create a, what looks like slightly like a double chin. That's mm -hmm. one thing that contributes towards a, a bit of excessive fat um, and a bit of loose skin. So there's different methodologies that we use to approach every single one of them. If you have um, loose skin, you want to do some skin tightening treatments. If you have a bit of extra fat, we could use certain types of treatments like deoxycholic acid, where it's a fat dissolving injection, where we treat that area and it breaks down some of the excessive fat. 
in saying that, it's very important to be very careful because you don't want to you don't want to destroy all the fat in the area. Once you kill off the fat, it does not grow back. Mm. If you treat too much fat in the area, it could lead to premature aging because the fat is good. It helps maintain some thickness to the skin. So we don't want to kill all the fat. We just want to treat the excessive fat. Mm. And that's what we aim for in the area. So that's why we have to be fairly careful with that treatment as well. So ideally, what we want to do for a female is we want to slim down the jaw first and then we add definition. Mm. If somebody naturally has a wide jaw and you want to get definition, you have to add volume. By adding volume to this, you're creating more width of the jaw. Mm -hmm. This in turn is masculinizing the face and leading to a more manly face for a female. Some people like that, other people don't. So we have to be very careful with also what the patient wants as well and how we're going to manage their jaw. Wow. And just with these steps that you've just um, explained, like how, what sort of time frame does this take is, would you have these different treatments at different times or is it like all in one? (laughs) So great question. Uh, I definitely prefer to do this um, like in order. I prefer to to do this and take our time with the treatments. Uh, For example, when you come to actually treat the mastodon muscles, what we do is we paralyze the muscle and any muscle that you don't use, you lose. So basically the muscles shrink. The muscle doesn't shrink overnight. So if I want to contour the jaw and somebody has strong muscles, I'm not going to do fill at the same time because the muscle is still quite strong and still quite bulky. We have to wait for the muscle to slim down and this takes approximately four to six weeks and then it slims down. And then that's when the muscle is slim, then we're looking at the canvas like it's a fresh canvas and that's when we start to use any volumizing um, treatments such as filler. Because if you use filler, when the patient has a wide jaw and then you slim down the jaw, it's going to alter the results. So you have to do it in stages. That is my personal opinion. And that's what I prefer to do with my patients as well. And you also, lots of our patients were a bit of a subtle result where it's not too fairly obvious all in one hit as well. Mm. Um, so that's why I also prefer to do this in stages as well. And also the most important thing when it comes to treating the jawline, in my opinion, is minimizing how much volume we're going to add for a female. So step one is putting anti-wrinkle in the different spots and then once the muscle paralyzes, seeing where it sort of lands and then step two would be adding volume when needed. Yeah, so step one would be a combination of what you were just saying, which is a combination of anti-wrinkle treatment and also depending on the patient whether it's gonna be skin tightening or fat dissolving. Yeah, that was one of the questions we received from our audience was about what do you actually do if they do have that sagging skin under the chin Um, so that would be your skin those sort of treatments that you explained before yeah so with skin tightening there's a whole range of treatments so we have um, our clinic a machine called the onda Um, onda uses microwave energy it creates a large amount of heat and what that does is it tightens the skin and it also breaks down the collagen and causes your body to reproduce more collagen so you do this a few times and the collagen will be, would be reproduced over the next six to nine months. It does have a short-term tightening effect due to the heat being produced, sort of like cooking steak, right? Mm. Or cooking bacon, right? <laughs> Just all shrinks, right? And then, so you have the short-term effect and you also have the long-term effect, which kicks in approximately six to nine months down the track. Mm. Um, in terms of the excessive fat, that also takes approximately up to eight weeks for you to see some results. It's so fascinating to hear you break down this process because from the consumer side, when you think of something like reshaping the jaw, the first thing that kind of just goes to your mind is, oh, jaw fillers, jawline fillers. So it's nice to see that you. this is a really well thought through process that kind of, you know, sees working with what you've got first before adding 
anything else. And it makes sense to actually, rather than picking something off a menu, like you would at some of the clinics where it's five mils for a couple hundred bucks, you actually kind of want to go to someone that you trust and that is going to take you through stages and not give you more than what you need and only put stuff where you do need it. So, so one of the things I wanted to um, also add is when we come to approach the, um, the actual appearance of the face is we like, like we were saying before, an oval appearance face, but we also like that V-shaped appearance. Now, when we talk about a V-shaped appearance, it means the width of the mid face is much wider than the width of the jaw. So when we come to approach a patient, we have to take this into consideration. If a female comes in and they have lots of hollowness or loss of bone in the mid face or lots of fat in the mid face or they just have emptiness in those areas, one of the most important things to do prior to treating the jawline is actually adding volume to the mid face. By adding volume to the mid face, this acts as more of a, a support structure towards the lower face as well because when you lose volume in your mid face, everything drops. So by actually adding volume to your mirror and upper third of the face, you actually slightly help lift the lower portion of the face. And this is something that's more common as we talk about patients aged 35 to 40 and older, where they commonly come in with a bit of a jowl. So that's a slightly different approach and a slightly different treatment. But one of the most important things there, and it's not only in older patients, it's also common with some younger patients as well, is when they have some emptiness in the mid face. So there, we need to re-volumize the mid face to give us some structural support as well, and also increase the width of the mid cheek to, pro, to, pro, to make that ideal ratio, to produce that ideal fire ratio of 1.618 to one. Mm, it's so interesting to hear about how when you are treating the face, you really do look at all the elements and how they kind of balance and support each other. I think the first time I ever tried filler, this would have been two years ago now, I went in and I can't even remember what my specific concern was, but I walked out having my cheeks done. And that was the last thing that I thought I would ever have done because in my mind, I thought adding volume to the cheeks would make my face look puffy and more circular, but it ended up just really beautifully kind of adding contour and structuring the face. Um, and it's just so, it's interesting to see like a, a doctor's perspective on how you kind of pick what treatment to go with when you do actually look at it in a mathematical way. That's exactly right. Mm. That's exactly right. Um, one of the other points that was um, just earlier mentioned was m many patients come in and they're thinking in terms of meals. How many meals would I need on my face? Um, you know, like you were saying before, uh, this many dollars will get me this number of meals and so on and so on. So we've had many patients that come to us and they say, I want to get five meals in my jawline as a female. And from my perspective, I always say, I don't think that's quite ideal. And I don't think that's what we should be focusing on because they see certain things and they see certain things in the jaw and they're like, I need five meals to correct this. And realistically speaking, that's actually not accurate because the last thing we should be treating their jaw with is by adding more volume, because this is gonna to contribute to, towards the problem as well. They come in with a bit of width in the jaw, and they come with a bit of, say, excessive fat, for, for example, and by adding volume to the area, they think that you're just gonna treat it. But that's not necessarily the case, and I agree with you. I don't think it's ideal for us to approach it with X amount of money per meal. Um, I think that's also one of the systems that's gonna progressively improve with time um, but ideally it is better to focus on certain areas and minimize the volume that we use that we use to treat a lower the lower portion of the face mm. and everyone's faces are so different so three mils in ella's face would look completely different than it would in my face because our structure is just different so 
it kind of makes sense that to take that personalized approach and have a consultation and then really kind of allocate the meals. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, also, there's uh, there's other lines that we use to help um, to help produce the ideal face. So if we look at a glabella line, so from the glabella line, we draw a vertical line down, and that's ideally the most anterior projection you want for the chin. Mm-hmm. We also draw a line from the nose towards the chin as well. And that sort of gives us a good idea of how much projection we want in the area there as well. So there's so many other factors that we take into consideration. Um, like like we were saying before, the garden ratios, the fire ratios, and there's all these other lines that we actually utilize as well to, cr- to produce the ideal face. Do you just visualize them on the face or do you draw them? <laughs> Most of the time I visualize it. Yeah. From the moment a patient walks into my room, I'm staring at their face and I'm making an assessment in my mind. From the moment I'm, and, and to be honest, unfortunately, it doesn't just end at work. Even when I'm out with my friends, <laughs> when I'm at home, like every, yeah, I, I can't stop doing that. <laughs> like, yeah, watching movies. So, <laughs> yeah. And who is a good candidate for jaw filler? It sounds like kind of anyone. Uh, I, I think most people are a good candidate, but it comes down to exactly what what we're aiming to treat. So if somebody is lacking a bit of definition, definition, definition of the jaw is definitely one of the big, like one of the um, significantly contributing factors towards beautifying a face. So definitely definition is very important. The shape as well is also quite important. The angle of the jaw is very important. So for a female, you don't want a sharp jawline. So when I say sharp, sorry, I mean an acute jawline. You don't want it to be, uh, you know, less than 120 degrees for a female because you start to square off the face. When you start to square off the face, this creates more of a masculine appearance. So ideally for a female, the corners of the jaw should be more than 120 degrees. The corner of the jaw should also be, when you're looking at it from a 2D plane, from an anterior perspective, from uh, from a front on view, you want this to be in line with the corners of the mouth or even slightly higher. For a male, you want it to be in line with the corners of the mouth or slightly lower. So there's so many factors that come into play when we're actually talking about the jawline because this all contributes towards the overall shape of the face. Mm. And for somebody that does have this treatment, how long does it actually take for them to see the full result? So it really depends on which treatment they start with. (laughs) So if they were to start with, say, um, the fat dissolving injection, that could take uh, one to two months to start showing the results from that. And the same thing when we talk about uh, the face slimming treatments, when we come to slim down the masseters, this is also, uh, this treatment also takes a bit of time as well. So she's talking to patients, but I can't multitask very well. <laughs> yeah, just leave it for now, I reckon. <laughs> sorry. sorry, I'm very bad at multitasking. Yeah. Um, yeah, any questions, sorry? What was it? Um, do we, how long does it take to see results? Um, so, with the jawline, so you normally see uh, fairly immediate results, mm-hmm. but you also get a bit of swelling. So the swelling could last anywhere up to two weeks, and this tends to sort of obscure the results. Uh, even with the swelling, the jawline generally in more than 90% of patients looks better than prior to the treatment. Mm. So even with the swelling of the, the jaw, you get a bit of swelling. Even with a bit of swelling of the jaw, it still tends to look better than prior. And how long would you expect swelling or any downtime after the treatment? So generally it depends on the patient because the, the swelling is usually associated with how the um, patient actually responds to not just the filler, but even a needle in general. 
So the moment you actually inject someone with a needle, they could get a bit of swelling. So how long it lasts for? Uh, generally around a week, less than a week, and it tends to go away with most people. Mm-hmm. And something we always like to ask about these cosmetic treatments is what are the risks that are involved? Right, so I like to break it down with so the needle itself and with the filler. So with the needle itself, the risk of pain, bleeding, bruising, infection or swelling, but these are very small sort of um, risks. The main, the main ones that almost all patients will get is a bit of swelling, you know. The moment you inject the needle into somebody, they'll most certainly get a bit of swelling as well. Um, and then bruising, fairly common. One in two, 23 people have a bit of bruising and the range of bruising it differs significantly among everybody. So you could have a, from a very small bruise to you know quite a bigger bruise. For females, it's generally fairly easy to hide with makeup. Um, it's usually my male clients that tend to have more of an issue with this, but they generally tend to grow the beard a bit, so to cover that up when treating the jawline. Sorry, this is just such a random question, but when you are treating male jawlines, do they need to shave? Uh, they need to trim. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> they need to trim. Uh, I've done it with a few um, patients that the beard was a little bit longer than what I would have liked. <laughs> um, it just you turned into of, a barbershop. Basically. <laughs> uh, sometimes I've actually shaved some patients at the clinic. So we shave it down and that way we get a good view. But most of the time you're able to draw it out quite well. Hmm. So that's pretty good. And how long would you expect this treatment to last? Yeah, so this is um, generally fairly different among most individuals. Um, areas which are highly vascularized, again, that tends to fluctuate a lot more. It tends to also go a, a bit faster. Uh, but generally, approximately one to two years is what we hope for with most patients. That's great. And how much does something like this generally cost? I know that's obviously tough because yeah. it's customized, but ballpark range. Yeah, ballpark figure. So it really depends. So if we're treating the masseters, uh, this ranges between $500 to $750. And it really depends. So if you're a patient that's experiencing from uh, headaches, grinding of the teeth and clenching, um, we tend to go for a bit of a stronger dose. And that one costs around $750. The medium dose is still quite a strong dose. And that's approximately $500. And then afterwards, you have to wait a period of time and we look at the results from that. And then the fat dissolving injection treatments, again, that's approximately $750 per treatment. On average, two to four treatments for an average person, but this really depends. Some patients can get away with just one treatment. There's so many factors that contribute towards um, how well they respond to the doxycholic acid, and it's actually not based on how much fat they have in the area. It goes a bit more detail, such as the protein concentration, the fat cells, and all these other factors as well. Um, so that's how much that costs. And then afterwards, we look at how many meals we're going to use in the face. So that's approximately one to two thousand dollars. Mm. Yeah, it sounds like yeah. everything is a very customized approach, and it, um, it it's important to kind of have a consultation and get that. That get that advice yeah it, it truly does especially in australia um things here are a little bit pricier because our the not only is it just the cost of living but even the cost of the products the cost of running the clinics all these other factors come into play um so usually when uh, because it is a medical clinic and it is run by doctors we have to ensure you know top quality service we have to ensure top safety like safety is that always like our number one priority so there's so many factors that come into play that unfortunately do determine the cost and experience as well so 
Um, you know, unfortunately, there are many people out there that do just inject without taking all these factors into consideration, and you really pay for what you get. Um, we are slightly, um, I think we're fairly priced. And as we work towards wrapping up, we did have a few questions from our listeners. Most of them we did cover. However, there were a couple that weren't. So number one, should all injectors know this procedure? In my personal opinion, <laughs> in my personal opinion, um, I think it's quite important for you to find out about your injector. And it's always good to ensure that they're fairly well educated and fairly well trained. There's so many injectors out there and right now in the current state, it's very difficult to know who has experience and who hasn't. And unfortunately, this is fairly driven by social media. Um, lots of people sort of like making all these sort of posts and there's a good chance that they may not be very sort of like educated in certain things and there's a very good chance they could be highly educated um, in these treatments as well. So I do personally believe that most injectors should know at least uh, a basic level of understanding when it comes to approaching the female jawline and I think the very the bare minimum is trying to minimize adding volume to the to the jawline for a female um, especially when taking into consideration the ratios that we're aiming for so it's a it's sort of like a generalization when I say we're trying to minimize the volume for a female because definitely lots of females out there do need a bit of volume in the in the jawline um, but just generally speaking we have to follow these ratios and it's very important and I know there's lots of people out there so I, I had a patient just the um, just the other day where they came back to me and they previously came to me a few months ago and they told me they want to do um, five mils in the jawline and I was like absolutely not I don't think it's ideal for you we've done the full assessment I explained to them why I don't think five mils is going to be beneficial they had a bit of extra fat in the area and they also had strong masseters so by by adding five mils to the jawline we're going to masculinize the face and we know that you know the, when we ask the patient during the consultation they say they want a more feminine look so when they want a four minute, when they want a more feminine look and they ask for five mils in the jaw we know this is not going to be in their best interest so we tell them look this is what i think you should do and we break it down and we go through the approach and we go through it systematically and we make a long-term plan and they were quite interested in doing that and then we don't really know what happened they ended up leaving and then they came back after and she had a fairly bulky jawline it was it was decently sort of shaped but it was very prominent and she didn't know why she didn't like it but she just came back to me telling me i just don't like my jawline i don't know why it has a good shape to it like it looks good but i just don't like it well the reason is the eye sees but the brain processes so when she's looking at herself in the mirror she could see that she has oh good definition you know what she thinks is a nice jaw but her brain processes right now that this is a fairly masculine appearance and she just she doesn't know that she can't see that the reason is the width of the jaw was greater than the width of the cheeks immediately you masculinize the face she's had a fairly prominent chin she wanted to have a bit of um, anterior projection but not a prominent chin these are two different things mm. so there's so many factors that come into play so they, they came back and they asked us to dissolve it. Unfortunately, I didn't want to dissolve it because, yeah, well, <laughs> I start with a black, uh, a blank canvas, um, just so if anything goes wrong, you know, just not put on you. So I recommended for them to go back to whoever injected it, and they should fairly pay 
the money that it cost to dissolve it because the, the injector did what they asked for. Um, so they should pay for it and I told them to come back and we'll start again from scratch. Mm. And I guess a good one to wrap up on is, do you have any advice for someone considering facial jaw sculpting? Or what's the final piece of advice you'd like to leave with our listeners? <laughs> Get a very thorough and detailed facial assessment done prior to treating the jaw. The jawline with especially lots of my older patients aged uh, 40 and above is the last part of the face that I treat. We, we generally re-volumize the mid face and the upper face, like in some of the photos that I've just showed you earlier. And uh, once we do that, we use the smallest amount of jawline filler just to add that bit of definition. Once you lift up the mid face and you lower, you decrease the volume in the area by slimming down the masseters and slimming down the fat, you're able to use a small amount of filler, a small amount of volume to get a very nice definition and you, you're able to do it by maintaining a very narrow jawline relative to the cheeks because again we're looking for that phi ratio and at the same time they're happy with the definition they're happy with the angle they have a nice anterior projection to the cheek which coincides with a very nicely sharp um, a nicely sharpened nicely angled jawline so this is ideally when you come to um when you come to address the jawline get a proper assessment done do not just go in asking for volume in the jawline because there's a good chance you'll do more harm to yourself than good. Good. Great. Well, I've learned a lot this podcast, so I'm sure our audience have. I know. This has been such a fascinating podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to share all of your knowledge and your process with us. Um, I had little knowledge about your sculpting prior, and now I feel like I'm very well equipped to make a decision on if I was to get it done. So thank you. No worries. That's the aim. (laughs) Like you said, the aim of this podcast is to educate patients as much as possible. And, you know, we really hope to get this message out there, um, especially when it comes to treating the jawline. Don't always go for fillers. Always make sure the person who is injecting you is very well trained in not just cosmetics or injectables or just general medicine, but also in beautification as well. This is very important because it is... This is also what all the patients want. Mm. Well, thank you. And for anyone who does want to book in to see you or just learn a bit more, where can they find you on Instagram? So on Instagram, you could find us at um, Flawless Aesthetics Clinics um, or flawlessaestheticsclinics.com.au or Dr. Michael Aesthetics. Great. Well, thanks for joining us, Dr. Michael. Um, And we'll see everyone next week on Cosmetics. Cosmetics. Please be advised that we are not medical practitioners and that some guests may have differing perspectives from ourselves and what our brand stands for. You should always consult your medical practitioner with regards to cosmetic products and procedures and whether they are suitable for you individually, as we will not be held liable for any misinformation.